We're beginning this calling series this morning, and that question of calling, I think, is a question a lot of us wrestle with. It's really a spiritual way of talking about what are we going to be when we grow up, and uh, and this is the time of life to wrestle with that. What are we going to be when we grow up? I still wonder what I want to be when I grow up sometimes, and so it's it's a good question. I love that question. It invites us to ask, what are we interested in? What are we good at? What do we feel some sense of passion for? And so I like to ask that question. I ask it to my kids. I ask it to their buddies, and and of course I get pretty predictable answers. I'm going to be an athlete, musician. Those are great things, and and I'll keep asking it. We'll see if it changes over time. I, I like to ask that when I'm out at camps and, and things like that with young people to get them thinking and find out what they're interested in. And I'll tell you, of all the times I've asked that question, I've never had someone say, when I grow up, I want to be a slave. That would be awkward. I feel awkward saying that. That sounds like a strange thing to say. I want to grow up and be a slave. Mostly what we look forward to about growing up is having less constraints on our life, less rules, less uh, time requirements, and less people telling us what to do. That's what growing up, the, the privileges of it, right? We get to grow up and then we get to decide what we do. But what's strange is that the Bible actually has a lot to say about calling and a lot to say about slaves, A lot to say that's commendable or something we ought to aspire to. I think we might even know one of the most famous verses. It's like one of our slogans around here. In Matthew, or in Mark chapter 10, it says that whoever wants to be, become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Now, I remember my first faith crisis was in junior high and I, I was starting to read my Bible and I came across some of these verses that talk about slaves and even some of the Old Testament things that talk about, you know, masters and, and slaves and how you ought to treat each other. And, and I felt really troubled. I'm like, we all know slavery is wrong. There shouldn't be anything in here other than abolish it, have nothing to do with it, definitely not embrace it as an identity. And so I remember I I talked to an elder in my church whose ancestors happened to be slaves in this country. And I said, how how do you navigate this? Help me understand how we can continue to believe this book when it says positive things about slaves. And that we ought to even want to be slaves. And that was my first lesson in Bible interpretation. And he helped me understand there's some historical background things. You understand it's not always as ethnically driven and and categorically oppressive in the same way that American slavery was. There were even opportunities if you were down and out economically to choose to go into slavery and you could work your way out. It was even a path to citizenship in the Roman Empire. And so he helped me understand, at least in the short term, how we could somehow see that as a, an okay thing. But aside from the past and the oppressive nature of slavery in this country, I don't like the idea of not being in charge of my life. When I think about what I want to be when I grow up, I don't think I want to aspire to be someone who's not in charge of me and answers to somebody else. But in this calling series, we're beginning with called to belong. And the Bible, in fact, tells us we're called to belong to God. We're His. He's in charge of our life. Our life isn't our own. We don't get to make all the choices. We get some choices. We get freedom. We have gifts that we can develop and interests that we can pursue. But overall, He's in charge and we're not. 
And it's confusing because there's a lot of images and metaphors used in Scripture to describe who we are in Christ. We're the bride of Christ. We're the body of Christ. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're a colony of heaven. We're co-heirs with Christ. We're adopted sons and daughters of God. We're soldiers, athletes, farmers, shepherds. And among them, we are slaves. It's also confusing because Jesus told his disciples, uh, I no longer call you slaves, I call you friends because slaves don't know their master's business. Sometimes these metaphors get mixed up. Even in Revelation 5, it says that the lamb who was slain was willing or was worthy to open the seal uh, on this scroll because he purchased people for God with his own blood. Slaves. But it goes on to say that he made them kings and priests who will reign on the earth. Priests, kings, slaves. So it's hard to hold all these metaphors and tensions simultaneously. But for a little while, if we could, can we focus on being good slaves of God? And Paul and Peter and John, apostles of Jesus Christ, even if uh, Paul's a little different among the apostles... Among the ways they introduce themselves and start their books, they say, I am a slave of God, a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even Jesus' own earthly brothers, James and Jude, they wrote some letters too. And uh, maybe an opportunity to give a little bit of name dropping. I was Jesus' brother. It's pretty cool. I I got all kinds of stories I could tell. I'm just going to write a short letter. Um, They don't even mention it. They don't even mention that nature of their relationship. Instead, they choose to say, I'm a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even earlier this semester, we talked about a verse. One of my favorite of these verses where people claim to be a slave, one of the most poignant, when Mary, the mother of Jesus, finds out she's going to be Mary, the mother of Jesus. She doesn't understand how it's all going to work. There's a certain mystery to how this supernatural birth is going to occur. And, uh, and she, she's trying to make sense of that. But as she sums up her response to the angel Gabriel, she says, I am the Lord's slave, servant, dule, female slave. Now, the translators soften the language a little bit because, again, slavery is a little bit icky. But she says, I'm a dule, I'm a servant, I'm a slave. And whether you translate it slave or servant, it's somebody who's not in charge of their own life. And we are invited by Scripture to see our calling as beginning with giving up control. Saying, I'm not in charge anymore. I, I don't call the shots. And where he says go, I go. Where he says stay, I stay. If he says jump, I jump. If he says sit, I sit. He's the, he's the boss, I'm the slave. And that has something to say about our sense of calling and our overall direction in life. I remember when I came here as a student, I was pretty raw. I was pretty uh, passionate. I didn't know a whole lot. I remember sitting in Acts class and, and I didn't know we had the book of Acts really. I mean, before Acts class, I didn't know we got to know what happens after Jesus left. And I mean, I'd heard, I guess, about Paul and Peter, but I didn't, I just, I, I didn't put it all together. And I remember just sitting in, in class day after day being like, can you believe this? We have this stuff, you know, and there's Bible bowl kids in there. Yeah, I memorized the whole book already. There's some good stuff later on. Okay, that's cool. I mean, I'm just, this is amazing. You know, I know I want to serve God with my life and I know I want to learn the Bible and I know that I have lost friends that I want to reach. 
my buddies from the football team and, and people I went to high school with. I just, I want to learn how to reach them. And somewhere along the way I learned, but there's this whole profession of ministry. You know, I, mean, I knew you could work at a church, but there's this whole professional world and there's internships and residencies and majors and minors and all kinds of ways you can hone yourself and specialize yourself and pick between great options and have preferences among those options and work your way through options to get to better options. And all of a sudden, this whole thing got a little more confusing. And again, some of that's good, right? Figure out what you're good at. Figure out what you're passionate about. Take some tests and figure out you're an ENTJ. Find out what your Enneagram number is. Find out what house you would be in in Harry Potter. I mean, there's, there's a value in learning who you are and how God might direct you accordingly. But if we're not careful, and I know it happened in my heart, it becomes a time where all of a sudden we start to grab on a little bit more control and have a little more preferences, a little more specifications. And and we might even look back at that youthful passion we had, and now we're so much more sophisticated. You thought this was going to be Bible camp for four years. (laughs) It's so much more than that. And I'm looking back at the younger me that was fully surrendered to God, and I'm saying, I want it. I want that again. And I remember my junior year, I'd gotten to do a really great internship and had some cool experiences, and I started having these specialized interests in ministry. And uh, and it was my junior year that I said, I'm going to read the Bible all the way through for the first time. Hadn't done that yet. I know so many of you are ahead of me on that in your education. Um, and that messed me up, reading the whole Bible. Because what happens is you come to a book like Ezekiel. And, uh, and I'm thinking, I want to be used by God. I want to I make a difference in the world. And, and God uses Ezekiel. He comes to Ezekiel in chapter 4 and he says, here's what I want you to do. Take a block of clay and draw the city. And put, make little siege works that are going to like destroy the city. Ezekiel was God's stage, uh, street theater prophet. And he said, here's what I want you to do. Lay down on your side for 390 days. And you're going to be there for 390 days representing the sin of my people. And of course, you're going to need to eat. It's a long time. You're going to need to prepare your food and drink water at certain times. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to cook your food on human poop. That's uh, our, our guests, our visitors. This is what you pay the big bucks for. You come to Bible college and find out. God told Ezekiel to cook his food on poop for 390 days. Now, he does give Ezekiel some options. Ezekiel's like, I don't know about that. And he says, okay, cow poop. So you get choices in ministry. And so for 390 days, he lays on his left side. On, for 40 days, he lays on his right side. And he makes poop bread. You know, there's just notes of barley and poop. And then you keep reading, you get to chapter 24 and it gets worse. God comes to Ezekiel and he says, I want to use you. I want to use you to make a difference in the world. And so your wife's going to die. And you cannot mourn 
You cannot go through the process that is normal of sadness and, and changing your clothing and eating different food. You need, if you need to cry, go have a quiet moment and then you come back out and don't mourn. Because a destruction is coming to this city and the, the precious temple and precious city is going to be taken away so quickly from my people that they won't even have time to mourn. And I, I forgot to explain the meaning of the, of the poop bread. He says, my people are going to be driven into the nations where they will eat defiled food. So I just need you to speak for me on my behalf that way. God, I want you to use my life. I want you to use me to make a difference in the world. But not like Ezekiel. And then I keep reading my Bible a little bit, a couple more books, you get to Hosea. Uh-oh. God's first message to Ezekiel or to Hosea is that he's going to give him a partner in ministry. That's something we're all look, a lot of us are looking for here. And you know, somebody can serve side by side. She can support me in my ministry. I can support her in her ministry. And, and Hosea is told her name's Gomer. She sounds hot. Okay. Um, she, she's a prostitute. Oh. And I, I just like to imagine a little bit, maybe Hosea was like, you know, okay, Rahab, we have her in our past. She had been a prostitute, you know, in her past. It's a redemption story. That's part of her past, but we're moving on together and supporting each other in ministry. It's going to be awesome. And God says, no, she's going to keep being a prostitute. That's part of the point. She's going to cheat on you a lot. And... When it's time, you bring her back into your home and you show the the love I have for my people. And in their adulterous idolatry, turning to other husbands time and time again, I take them back. And I I wonder if Hosea was like, "Um, can I talk to the ministry center, see if there's some other openings? (laughs) God, I want you to use my life, but not like you used Hosea. If we're a slave, we, that's not how it works. Oh, that's good. We say, God, I'm yours. Where do I go? What do I do? You're in charge and I'm not. And that's a hard thing to say. But what's interesting is, is the Bible has more to say about this. And it's, it's part of this process of us growing in our character, in our development. And one of the things we find out is it turns out that it wasn't like the two options are freedom and slavery to God. The two options are one kind of slavery or another. And when we look in Romans chapter 6, it says that, don't you know when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you're slave to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God, though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You've been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. The options aren't freedom and slavery. It's slavery to sin and death or slavery to righteousness. And a big part of what this season of life is about for you as a student at Ozark Christian College is is learning to be a slave to righteousness. It's a process. It takes time. It takes time to figure out how 
how the, the little pieces come together. How, okay, I'm his, what does that mean for this situation? I think of 1 Corinthians 6 where, where slave language is used. It says in 1 Corinthians six twenty, you were bought at a price. God owns you. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. In that context, it's talking about sexual immorality. There's some freaky stuff going on in Corinth. You were bought at a price. Use the body that God owns to honor him. It's a process. And it's tough because sometimes we stumble upon things in scripture we don't like, we don't agree with, we don't feel comfortable with. Well, a good slave says, okay, you're the boss. Remember, I was going to be preaching at a, a church down the road. They didn't have a preacher, so they needed an interim preacher. And it ended up being that I was there for a year and a half preaching almost every Sunday. And, uh, and so it was going to be a long enough deal that they did a little interview, you know, just to, to see if uh, this would be a good fit. And they were telling me about their last minister. And they said, our minister would say things. It was confusing to us. We'd never heard someone do this before. They said, well, here's what it says in John, but I disagree. And they would go on to describe their view of things and philosophy. And over time, the church, they just said, this isn't, this isn't what I, I'm here for. I, I'm here to hear from God. And I said, listen, here's what you got to understand. This may, this may not work, but you got to understand, if I come to a place where John and I disagree, I'm wrong. That's how this works. i got to change my mind. i got to change my feelings. i got to change my values. Because I'm not in charge. So if, I, if I'm reading and I'm studying and, and something seems to go against what I feel like doing, that shouldn't be a surprise. That should be a process of learning to, to leave my old slave master to follow my new slave master. Not controlled by sin anymore. And really, is it any freedom outside of God where we just do what we feel like doing? That's a kind of slavery unto itself, isn't it? Can't help but do what that master says. And we have a new master, a good master, a generous master kind master who knows what's better for us than we know for what for ourselves and so at this place that's what we're doing we're here to learn to be good slaves this is a great community isn't it and at its best ozark christian college is a transformative community you can be all kinds of different people but you're going to change while you're here if you're going to let god work in your life it's going to be a transformative process and, uh, and you'll learn all kinds of things. I hope that, that when you walk across that little stage down there and you get the little plaque and have, some of you'll have tassels and now we've got these new Latin words we put after some of your names. Um, you'll have all kinds of knowledge. You'll have communication skills. You'll have a honed ability to lead people in worship. You'll know how to run a phenomenal children's program. You'll know how to do youth ministry. You'll know how to counsel people. You'll know how to Battle systemic injustices with biblical principles. You'll know how to study interdisciplinary things and put your faith into practice at the workplace. We got all kinds of competencies and and domains of knowledge and skill that you will develop in here. It's awesome. I also hope that when you walk across that stage, you're more loving than when you came in. You're more joyful. Than, than when you started. That you have more peace than you did before. That you're more patient with people. You're more kind. Uh, that, that you're more faithful to your commitments. That you're more gentle with others. That you have more self-control. The kind of things 
that are produced in the life of someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. This is a season of character formation. And being called to belong means I want to belong to God. I want to let him craft and mold my life so I'm the kind of person he can use. God wants to do great things through you, but he wants to do a great work within you first. And that's what this is all about. We can get degrees and get good at skills and be professionally prepared. Oh, that's wonderful. But it's a season of transformation, learning to be a slave. And if I could, just for a second, I know sometimes this brings up a discussion. What about the rules? We got lots of rules around here. That's part of the training process. You know, when you graduate and you have your freedom in Christ, you can stay out till 1.05 (laughs) a.m. The big joke is that by the time you're that old, man, you don't, why do you want to stay out that late? There's nothing going on. That's the trick. You know, you can have pets once you move off campus. Uh, you know, we, we stifle your freedom while you're here and you can't have pets. I remember uh, there was a couple guys in a, in a particular dorm. One of them was my grader and they got a pet rat and had it in the dorm and, and they came and, and told me, man, this is great. We've got a rat. And they gave him some hipster name like Trevor, you know. The, and it was like, yeah, this rat, man. And, and I was like, man, that's, yeah, that's fun. I, I actually had a pet rat when I was a kid. Um, here's the deal. I'll give you 24 hours um, to go tell your dorm dad and mom. And uh, if you don't tell them, I will. And they're like, what, man? I thought you were cool, you know? And I'm like, it's not my job to be cool. It's my job to help you change. And so if you need it 23 hours and 59 minutes, that's cool. But if, you know. If not, I'm going to go tell the dorm parents and, and, uh, and it'll be an opportunity for you. And I, and I realized I'm starting to sound like my mom. Because I remember her saying all the time when I was a kid, if you can't learn to obey me, how are you going to be able to obey God when he asks you to do even tougher things? If you can't be home by a certain time and not have a rap. <laughs> that's the, the sum total of... Ah, How are you going to be able to tune your heart and and ear to the Lord when he says, I want to use you? Now, it might involve poop bread, but I want to use you. It's a training process. It's a community that transforms where we're involved in one another's lives to such a degree that says, I love you and I love you enough to speak the truth right now. And it's time to grow. So being a slave says, okay, God's in charge of the big picture. God's in charge of the small stuff. And at a place like this, sometimes we can get, you know, sophisticated. Well, there's lots of things that the Bible says and it's complicated and there's contextual things. And and it's true. Sometimes it's very complicated. I teach first Corinthians and I have to come to a good explanation of why I don't think it's any problem that our women aren't wearing head coverings, right? There's some weird things. So sometimes it's not as simple as the Bible says it, I do it. Sometimes it is that simple. If it says don't slander, I don't slander. If it says be patient, I be patient. If it says speak the truth, I speak the truth. If it says don't steal, I don't steal. If it says, if it says submit to the authorities that God has put on over you, then I submit to the authorities God has put over me. It's sometimes it actually is that simple. And this is a process of training to say with joy in our hearts, I'm the Lord's slave. 
The good thing is we have the best teacher of all to teach us that lifestyle. We have Jesus himself. And of course, you know this, that that verse I read earlier where it says, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be your, be first must be a slave of all. He goes on to say one of our slogans, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give a light, his life as a ransom for many. Jesus takes on that role of slave. And the last night he was with his disciples, he, he very literally, tangibly took on the appearance of a slave. It was a very uncomfortable moment for some of them when he took off his outer garment, got down to his, his loincloth, looking like a slave, getting down, washing his disciples' feet. I mean, it, you got to remember, it would have been an uncomfortable moment. Washing these men's feet, they were, it was awkward. And of course, Peter, he's the one that speaks up, says, this, no, this is wrong. And Jesus says, no, this is not wrong. This is what it looks like to be a slave of God. And so he shows them the full extent of his love. And of course, within 24 hours of that moment, he would show what he's all about when he becomes a sacrifice for us showing the, the, the extent to which he was willing to be a slave. Of course, Philippians 2, you know these verses. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, grasped onto, clung to. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. There it is again, doulos, slave, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. So his willingness to be a slave brought about our salvation. It makes me ask myself, what, what's so important for me to hang on to? What right do I have to claim any level of control in my life? If he who is God said, I will become a slave so that you might be saved. I want to learn from him. And again, Jesus very directly invites us to learn from him. There's this passage in Matthew chapter 11 where he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. See, sl slavery outside of God is really exhausting. It's really a heavy burden. And he says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Most scholars agree that that language of rest for souls is an allusion to a text in Jeremiah where it happens to be surrounded by all kinds of references to a yoke. Jeremiah, that's where this yoke imagery has been used more than anywhere else in the Bible. And it's an image of slavery. It's an image of being under the slavery of a foreign dictator. And that is an iron yoke, a heavy yoke. It's no good. It's exhausting. But if you will listen and discern the ancient paths, you will find rest for your souls. Jesus says, come to me and I'll teach you to be a good slave. We've got a picture of a yoke up here. Yokes often have two slots. It's just how it works. You're putting 
oxen together, and it's always oxen, right? You put two together, not oxes, oxen, boxen. You put two of them together. And so it's interesting when Jesus says, come to me and take my yoke. I've already got it on. I got a spot for you. Walk with me. I'll teach you. I'm gentle. I'll be near you. But don't miss that this is slavery. It's good. It's actually a true freedom. It's freedom to live the way we were designed to live. It's, it's freedom to be the kind of people we deep down long to be. And he will teach us. And he modeled for us day after day. I don't do what I want. I do what the father wants. I don't do, I don't come up with stuff. I do what I see him and hear him do. And even down to the end, when he's in the garden, praying and laboring in a very real level with what he's about to do, die. He says, not my will, but yours be done. That's a good slave. And so, again, I hope you have the opportunity to become confident in your skills and your knowledge. Hope you learn all kinds of stuff. Hope you're able to discern your vocation. But I hope along the way you come to a place where you can join me in just trying to learn to be a good slave and to be able to say with joy, I am the Lord's slave. Let's pray. God, I just pray today that we would be very honest with ourselves and with you and that we would humble ourselves and that maybe if we need to, we would actually go backwards in time to when it was simpler. Even if it was naive, it was a pledge to surrender all to you. Bring us back to that first love and that passion and that raw enthusiasm to live a life for you. When we said we wanted to serve you and we wanted to be used by you and we didn't have demands yet. Bring us back to that simple obedience where we say you're the boss and I do as you say. Help us to find joy as we stay in step with Jesus, the slave of all. In Jesus' name, amen.